Lenny is going to be preaching today. I'm so great. I'm so just excited to hear what you have to say. Thank you. He always brings an incredible word, yeah. and today he's pumped about it, which makes all right. me really excited. There you go. So. <laughs> no pressure, right? No pressure at all. Thank you. Wow. You're going to get me emotional all of a sudden there. Okay. Well, it's so wild how in the midst of the crazy world that we currently live in, how God has showed himself so faithful. And in our weakness, he shows his strength. And I believe that this morning, especially being a 4th of July weekend, uh, that kind of has a unique space in my heart, and I am just so appreciative for this country that we live in. It is far from perfect, but there's nowhere else in the world I'd rather be. And we still have some of the most amazing, amazing freedoms here. Uh, and with that being said, I just felt like God had really led me this morning to just kind of be very free in how I shared with you. Many of you know that I'm the kind of person that I'm very calculated and I'm very particular and I like to organize things a certain way. And I felt like God said, I'd like you to kind of maybe not focus on that so much and just be very honest about what's been going on in your own personal life and some of the personal revelations that God has been given to me. Because I believe that when God does something in you, he doesn't just do it for you, right? He does it for your neighbor, for your spouse, for your child, for his glory, right? It's beyond us. And so I'm going to try to do that this morning. And with that being said, I'd like you to put up the title of the message. 2020 for me um, was a big year. Uh, 20 years at my company will be 20 years of marriage in the fall with my wife here, Lindsay. Uh, I turned 40 on June 1st. It's kind of a milestone year. And I had this kind of feeling from the very beginning of the year that God was really trying to redirect my vision. And how many of you have heard it said before that hindsight is 2020? Right. I mean, it, because it's already happened. It's like, I've seen the movie before. You ever watch a movie with somebody that's already seen it, and they start telling you what's happening while it's happening or before it's happening? It kind of ruins the movie. But I had this idea and this thought, why does hindsight have to be the only thing that's 2020? Can forward sight be 2020? Can you and I have a 2020 faith that looking ahead is already expecting that the same God that came through before is going to come through again? So Justin wanted me to mention to you how much he misses you, how much he loves you, I'm not just saying this to say it. He really does genuinely love the people of this church as much or more than any pastor I've ever known. His heart is so invested in this that he struggles with leaving. He struggles with taking vacation. And that's one area where God has actually put me in his life for a reason to like, no, dude, you got to take some time. Play some golf, right? Meet with a friend. Have a date night. Go on vacation. So... This is the first time that I'm aware of that Justin has missed back-to-back -back Sundays, right, in the history of the shelter. But I believe that God is doing something in your pastor that's going to increase his faith and his focus and his vision in the future. So this being the second Sunday in a row that he missed, he preached at the church where he spent a lot of time in the Carolinas, the church that actually we fell under their wing as far as, you know, our organization as becoming the shelter and becoming the church. And so he's there sharing a word, but on the other side, missing being here. He's being honest. He feels a little guilty about not being here. He shares the message, and the message is done, 
And if he wouldn't have stayed the second Sunday, right, this would never have happened. He's leaving the church and a woman stops him and says, the Holy Spirit just got a hold of me during your message and I'm supposed to give you this for the future of the shelter and it's a check for $10,000. I mean, God is capable of doing so much more than we give him credit for if we would be willing to step out in faith. So with that being said, I want to share with you this morning... Three short revelations, if you will, things that have happened in my personal life that I I pray at least one of these things would impact you. And then I want to give you three reminders, right, for 2020 that could help us to have a, a focused faith, right, a 2020 faith, to have 2020 vision as we're moving through 2020. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I think that's something most of us have probably heard before, but I think it's probably as relevant now as ever because what do we see? Well, we see more than we've ever seen. Why? Because of media, because of social media, because of the environment that we're in where everybody's incredibly vocal about how they feel about particular topics, and it can become very divisive. So there's a lot of voices and a lot of things that we do see, but that brings us back to the foundation of what faith really is. It's the foundation of what we cannot see and we cannot touch, but we can still believe. In the message version of James 1, chapter 2, I just love how this is spoken. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests come at you and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and it shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you would be mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. And so it's a time like this in our world and in our culture that our faith life is forced into the open. That we're kind of forced to come to grips with, okay, what's really going on inside of me? Where am I really at in my faith walk with God? And what do I really believe? What am I allowing to control and dictate my mind and my emotions and my heart in the midst of everything that's happening right now? It kind of exposes or tests our faith and shows it for what it is. I want to ask you this question. What is the testing of your faith producing? In everything we're going through, whether it's a loss of a job or somebody's loss of health or whether it's just the shutdown, the pandemic, the loneliness, the whatever, what is all of this testing? Right? He said, count it all joy, which is hard to do. Why, though? Because the testing is producing something. So I want to ask you, though, what is your testing producing in you? Is it producing patience? Is it producing the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control? Or is it producing fear, anxiety, frustration? That's something that you can only answer yourself. For our country, I think that this time of testing, unfortunately, has just increased an ever-widening divide. And I'm not, not, try, not going to be political, not trying to be negative or anything, but it's just the reality of what I see, at least from my perception. It seems like two sides just drift farther and farther and farther apart. And anything left in the middle, you're just in the crosshairs just to get shot off because you either have to be over here on the issue or you have to be over here on the issue. Both sides, though seeing themselves as right. 
both sides seeing themselves as woke, right? They're both the enlightened party. Both sides seeing themselves as we need to dig our heels in and fight for what we believe in right now. One side saying wear a mask. One side saying don't wear a mask. One side says distance. One side says don't distance. One side is fearful. The other side is frustrated. One side is full of angst. The other side is full of anger. Here's the newsflash that I had. Both sides are missing the mark. Both sides are missing peace. Both sides are missing compassion. Both sides are missing empathy. Justin preached a sermon a few weeks ago that was, what would Jesus do now? I'll tell you what he wouldn't do. He wouldn't pick sides. I believe he would be the one right in the center trying to bridge the gap between the two. And I believe that's the calling of the church today. I think one of the greatest roadblocks to you and I moving forward with a focused faith is spending too much of our time and energy fighting battles that we weren't called to fight in the first place. There are a lot of things to fight for in this world. There are a lot of good causes, right? There's a lot of injustice. There's a lot of things happening. There are way more things that you and I could get involved with than we have time and energy to do. But when it comes to having a focused faith, I want you to consider this. If we, if you and I spend all of our time and energy just fighting whatever battle seems to fall right in front of us, we may not have any time or energy left to fight the battle that God has called you to fight. So the first 2020 revelation that I had moving through this year that God showed me about me, in the end of 2019, I found myself in a position where 2019 was not necessarily a great year if I was looking at it that way, or necessarily a bad year, I just found myself really, really running out of steam. Like at the end of the year, I was like grinding gears, and I'm like showing up on Sundays and trying to put the smile on, and everything's great, but like for some reason, maybe it's because I'm getting older, going to turn 40, I'm just running out of steam. And so God revealed something to me that I hope is going to speak to some of you, that my relationship with God over the first 40 years of my life really could be boiled down to this in, in this most primary sense, is that I take God's word, right? I take the principles of his word, I put them into practice, and it produces a product. It's like A squared plus B squared equals C squared. It was kind of like a formula, if you will. And it's a pattern that I would repeat again and again and again, and I really feel like towards the end of 2019 and some things that happened that I'm going to share with you in a moment, God revealed something to me that I basically, what I had done throughout my life, though taking God's principles and using them is a good thing, that's kind of supposed to be the foundation of the relationship with Christ, though. And I feel like God said to me, what you're doing, the reason why you're getting so tired is because you're the one doing the building, and then you're asking me to give you my blessing. I'm the one doing the work, and then I'm expecting God to come through versus allowing God to be part of the planning in the very first place. And that I found myself oftentimes use this as an example. A relationship with your spouse will definitely burn itself out if everything I was to do for my wife was purely because it was like on a list to do. Okay, every Monday I'm going to say I love you. Every Tuesday I'm going to write a note. Every Wednesday, and it becomes robotic, right? It becomes a formula. It becomes a pattern. What's missing from that? There's no passion there. 
There's nothing organic. And so I found myself frustrated because I found myself in a position where I was relying on my own ability to put God's word into practice to produce something in me. And God just revealed to me that in the next 40 years of your life, I have something much greater than that for you. And so from that point forward, I started waking up every day and making a decision. Okay, I'm a very formulated kind of person. I believe that leading up to my 40th birthday, for instance, I had certain goals for my health. So I decided for 40 days before my 40th birthday, I'm going to wake up at 5.15, I'm going to have my coffee and my kombucha. Kombucha is not some kind of witchcraft, by the way. It's something you drink that's good. Coffee, kombucha, do my stretching, get on my mountain bike for an hour, come back home, get showered, say hello to my wife, kiss my son, go to work. And it's this pattern, right? And I repeat the next day. And again, and again, and again. And you get a result from it. But what is it? That is not supposed to mirror our relationship with Christ where we just repeat a pattern again and again and then wonder why we burn out. And so I began to say from the very beginning of my day, there's a lot of good things I could do today, but are they God things? There's a lot of good things I could do. There's a lot of good things I could share with you this morning, but I was honestly saying, well, God, what do you want me to share? There's a lot of good stuff I can get involved with, but what does God want me spending my energy and time on? So I began doing this over a series of months. And I believe that God kind of tested me in a sense with this. And I had had an opportunity where things had gone well enough at work and I had budgeted a certain way and I'd saved a certain way that there was something that was kind of a lifelong dream for me, something that I was going to be able to do this year that I never thought I'd be able to do. And I was praying over it and asking God if it's, if it's supposed to happen or if your, your approval is on it, then I want it. And if it's not, then I don't. And so the stars seemed to align, and the opportunity presented itself. And it was everything I wanted and then some. And it was like the greatest deal of a lifetime, and everything worked out just perfectly where I know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy who just happens to know another guy, and all this stuff comes together. And so the day before I'm going to sign on the dotted line to make the deal done, I had a little something in my, in my gut say something is not right. And I'm like, oh, great, what does that mean? <laughs> so. I started praying about it, and I sent a text to my family and to a few of my friends, and I said, hey, you know, this opportunity that, that came about, I don't know if it's right or not, and if it's not, I don't want it. If it's not of you, I don't want anything to do with it, even though it looks like a good thing. It looks like an opportunity of a lifetime. It's everything I've been dreaming for, like my will be done in this situation, but instead, I said, you know what, Lord, if it's not supposed to happen, I don't want it. So long story short, we walk in to sign the paperwork, and I end up having this powerful conversation with the salesman about his life, and he had a father who actually had just passed away recently, and I was able to, to share with him my testimony. The guy's crying at the table, and we're having this amazing, powerful prayer time. And then the general manager walks in and says, sir, I am so sorry, but this deal is not going to happen. It's dead in the water. And I'll tell you what happened. The first time in my life that this has ever happened. I had complete peace in my heart. That's not me. Me, I'm normally like, whoa, 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 hold on. You gave me your word, and we have something in writing. Like, I have legal recourse here. I'm going to force this to happen. I have that righteous indignation that some of us have that fires up when we see something happen that's not right. And I just totally gave it over to God. 
And I said, sir, it's not your fault. You're in between a rock and a hard place on this situation. And I just walked out. Hey, it wasn't meant to be. Went to sleep that night, slept like a baby. Next morning, woke up, went to work. Everything's fine. You can ask him. It's the truth. Pastor Justin calls me. I was praying this morning. The Lord told me that that deal that fell, fell through yesterday, he's going to fix it. I'm like, well, that's pretty far-fetched. But if it's true, it's true. It'll happen. So we'll see. An hour later, I get the phone from the guy. The deal's done. Come sign on the dotted line. This is what it did for me, though. It's like that thing that you've been chasing after, that thing that's like, man, if I could ever accomplish that, are you willing to give that to him? And here's what's powerful. Every single time I see that, every single, when I remember that, it made something that was simply just a good thing, it actually made it a God thing. That every time I see that, I remember and I look back that if I'm willing to come to God with an open hand, he's willing to be able to do so much far more than what I could ever ask or think. Number one reminder to a focused faith, 2020 faith, having 2020 vision. Sometimes to move forward in your faith, you have to go backwards. Sometimes to move forward in your faith, you have to go backwards. We have to remember when. Remember when God. At the end of 2019, to cap off the fact that I was already like running out of steam, I had one of the worst experiences of my life. It has a positive ending, though, so it's a little negative. But I've been working for the same company for 20 years. I have done the best I can to try to represent myself for Christ, to do my job as unto the Lord. I do the best I can, far from perfect, but I've tried to establish a reputation in that workplace. And I took pride in the reputation that I built and how God had kind of promoted me there. And something happened in December of 2019 where there was a mistake that was made that it looked like I could have been responsible for it and it was going to cost the company tens of thousands of dollars. And not only would it possibly cost me my job of 20 years, but it most definitely would have ruined my reputation, the reputation I'd worked so hard to build. And there was a 30-day window where my mind was consumed with every single possible scenario. How could this have happened? Did I do it? Did I not do it? How do I prove I didn't do it? How do I prove somebody else did it to get the attention off of me? My mind is going absolutely nuts. My emotion, they follow along. I'm filled with fear, filled with anxiety. As a result of that, I'm not eating. I'm not sleeping. Right? My physical body feels ill. Any of you have ever been there before? You've had issues with that before? My, I, I tell you, I empathize with you. If you've ever struggled with panic attacks or with anxiety or with depression, it's a, it's a real thing, and I get it. You know. So at the end of this 30 days, I was so exhausted that I finally just surrendered the situation to God. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to prove that I didn't do it. I can't figure out what happened. I'm at the end of myself, and I finally just give the thing over to God. And this is some of what God kind of revealed in me. You put more faith in your ability to build your reputation than you do in my ability to protect it. That was a hard one. You put more faith in your ability to build your reputation than you do in my ability to protect it. Here's what's interesting. If I make the building of my life and me moving forward in the things that we do, if I make the building about me, 
when it starts collapsing, guess who it's going to be all about? Me. But if I make the building all about him, even when things start falling, about, falling apart, who's it about? He's the one that gave me the job in the first place. He's the one that can sustain me even if I lose it. And so what did he do? He brought me back 20 years previously where I had gotten some terrible news. I had worked my entire young adulthood into a few years in college to be a police officer. That was my goal. I wanted it more than anything in the world. And I did the physical, killed it. Did the written, great. Did the background check, I was a little concerned. Because many of you know I had some teenage experiences that were a little bit off the reservation and made some bad choices. And I opened the letter, and what does it say? Unfortunately, you are not a candidate. And it crushed me. I mean, it just, it was my dream. It was my, my lifelong dream. And it absolutely destroyed me. And God reminded me, okay, 20 years before, I had just a few months before taking that test, taken a job at a company where I got to carry a gun. I thought that'd be fun and it looked good on a job resume for the police department. That job would evolve into something, into the position I have today that I wouldn't trade for the world. But I didn't have the faith in the moment to believe that God would do it in the future. I can look back on it and say, well, hindsight's 2020 now. I can see how God did it. But do you and I have the ability to actually grab onto a faith that would say, even in the midst of the unknown, where I do not see how this could ever turn into anything good, that when God says he works all things together for our good, it's actually true. But here's, here's where I was missing the mark up until this year. I would say, okay, God works all things together for the good of those who love him, and that's about it. Because if I'm being honest, on a day-to-day -day basis, I am much more called according to my own purposes, not called according to his purposes. That if I actually live in a way where I believe God works all things together for the good of those who love him. I, mean, I love him. I know he loves me. I'm his child. But there's one more distinction. And those who are called according to his purpose. So are your purposes today God-ordained? Is the fight and the battle you're engaged in right now God-ordained? Is the things you're going after in life, are those good things or are those God things? Because there's a big difference. Because there's a promise that you and I can rely on whenever we make a decision to make it about God. That he actually will work every single circumstance in your favor. Reminder number two for a focused faith in 2020. Sometimes to move forward in faith, you have to stop moving altogether. That's hard for type A personalities. That's hard for JJ, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Try to get him to stay still. He had a knee surgery, and he was out there trying to just run marathons. So it was interesting. I had an experience just a few weeks ago. Getting up at 5.15, drinking the coffee, doing the stretching. And... I've been living in this home for 17 years, and I noticed something in my kitchen that I have never seen before. That's been in the kitchen for 17 years. I've walked through that kitchen thousands of times, and I've never noticed it. I think if you've got a photo of it, you can put it up there for me. Okay. Beside the dishwasher, no, I load the dishwasher a lot, trust me, and I empty it. The power outlet that's to the right. I've loaded that dishwasher so many times and done dishes in that so many times, 
and I was stretching, and I put my hand over, and I touched it. And I was like, what is this? I'm like, who's been in my house? Like, who installed this power outlet here? And it was just like this little moment as I'm just trying to say, God, will you speak to me through the, this smallest of things? There is power that you and I have access to that we are not currently accessing. There's power that God has given you through his word and through the spirit of God that can live within you. But here's the problem. If I don't recognize it, I can't access it. And if I recognize it and I never plug into it, there's no power. So you and I have been given the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit where for me, for the first 40 years of my relationship with Christ, and I know I'm speaking to somebody here, is that I felt like this relationship with God was just a math equation. And occasionally God would kind of knock me off my horse or speak to me or do something that I felt like, well, it it lets me know he's still there. And I feel like God was showing me through the tragedy of what happened in my workplace, through what he's been doing in my life, that he has so much more for me. That my relationship with God doesn't have to be dry. Your relationship with God doesn't have to be limited to just reading the Bible, trying to put those things into the practice, try not to satisfy the flesh man, that there is a spirit that you and I have access to who's wanting to speak to you and wanting to provide power that you could not otherwise have. This also changes a few things in me as I'm recognizing that as much as I thought that I thought I was doing pretty well in my relationship with God. And I now realize that there's so much more that I still have not done. It does a couple things inside of me. The first thing that it does is it creates a sense of empathy in me towards where somebody else is with their walk with God. I think as a nation and as a culture, we are incredibly quick to judge someone else's perspective. It's almost like we want to take our glasses, our prescription, and put it on their eyes. You ever try to do that? It doesn't work. You can't see anything. Because they're seeing it from a different point of view. And so God like, just re- revealed to me, in the same way that you didn't see the world the same at 10 years old as you did at 1 years old, and you didn't see the world the same at 20 than you did at 10, the same way you didn't see the world at 30 as you did at 20, and the same way that God's revealing new things to me at 40 that he didn't at 30, guess what? I'm going to see the world different at 50. And so who am I to ever stand up on some kind of a soapbox and tell the rest of the world how they should think? Okay, maybe I've lost you. So none of you have ever gone online and ranted on something and then regretted ranting. None of you ever, like, called somebody out online for their viewpoint because they're wrong and you're right. Never, right? No one's ever done that. Okay, maybe I'm the only one that's this crazy. That... I'll be up in the middle of the night thinking about what you posted because I think you're wrong. Like, how could they think that? That's ridiculous. How in the world could they have that perspective of this issue? When we recognize that God's in control, when we recognize that there's so much more, I think it creates in us a recognition that we're all somewhere along this journey. And the greatest thing that you and I can do, and I was so reminded of this because I've been so wrong in this, Many times, the greatest thing I can do in the midst of a divisive situation is unify. But what do we want to do? We want to throw gas on the fire. Why? Because they're wrong and we're right. 
they're pro this and they're anti this and they're pro that and they're anti that and we all want to jump in somewhere when I believe more than ever God would call you and I to be a unifying force in the midst of division. Revelation number three. And this one is one that I've been super passionate about. Justin shared something similar, but I want to reinforce it from a different perspective. Like it or not, our culture seems to be more, seems to care more about how you say something than about what you actually say. The current atmosphere in our world right now, people oftentimes care more about the presentation than about the information. And it's not just how something is said, right? I mean, it's how it's said, not just what is said. So I had an interesting experience, um, and many, maybe some of you have as well. Justin and I were traveling. We were walking up to a busy street corner. We see a guy with a bullhorn. We see a guy with a big sign, and I could see something about heaven on the sign. And before I even get there, I felt like the body language of the people, Chris Barton talked about this last week, was very aggressive. And then as I got closer, I just heard screaming, like just ranting and ranting. And as we get closer, this individual probably, you know, means well, but they're using a bullhorn and they're using their shouting to try to get people to look at their sign, which basically says, if you're not headed for heaven, you're headed for hell. Is it true? What's on the sign? Is it factually true? As much as no one, we don't have to talk about it. If you're not headed for heaven, you're headed for hell. Okay. How was it presented? With such condemnation and anger that Justin and I both kind of felt a little sick to our stomachs. And I'm like, dude, I almost feel like we should say something. So we actually stopped and, and talked to them for a few minutes and just said, hey, just want to let you know, like, man, we, we're believers. We love Christ and we want to see the world one for Christ. But do you think this is effective? And I don't think it really went over very well. I think it fell on deaf ears and we had to leave it at that. But what it, what it did is it reminded me of something that my father taught me when I was 25 years old. I'd just been ordained as a minister, so I knew everything. Right? I had it all together. And we had a youth group. My wife and I had a youth group, and the youth group was doing great. Actually, some of the people in this room were in that youth group. And I finally got the opportunity to share with the adult congregation for the first time. And I was pumped, and I was amped because I wanted to bring all the young energy from the youth group into the adult congregation. And this particular church was a much older demographic. So the distance between youth group and normal Sunday mornings were very, very different. So I wanted to bring all this young energy and just dump it out in the middle of everything. And I'm, I'm sharing with my father about what I would be sharing that Sunday morning. And he kind of stepped back. He's normally fairly slow to speak. And he just kind of thinks for a second. Uh, son, so just knowing the demographic of people... I think it's very likely that a large percentage of that crowd might get offended by some of the things that you just shared with me. And my immediate response is, well, I don't care. Because I'm going to do me. I'm not going to change how I do things. I mean, I can't control if someone else is offended. And none of you are like that, right? You just, none of you. I can't control that your feelings get hurt, right? And he then slowed down and he asked me another question. He said, what is your goal on Sunday morning? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? And I said, well, I think like anybody who would be sharing, I want to say something that encourages people and challenges them and maybe somehow creates some positive change. And so he said, well, then, if that's the truth, if you being you and doing things the way you do things turns off half the congregation, will it have been worth it? 
Well, the answer is obvious. The answer is no. And I'll never forget that conversation because what I walked away from that with and the experience that I had that Sunday morning and the response that I actually did get from that congregation and the respect that I was able to earn with those people because I was communicating in a way I'm speaking their language. It's, it totally revolutionized the way I see communication where that you and I don't have to water down the message, right? But we can modify the method. We can modify our method of communication without watering down the message itself. It has so much to do with how information is presented. Romans 10:17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In a world where there is so much that is not in our control. If Governor Ducey shuts it down again, I got no say-so. If this thing goes for another month or another year, I have no say-so. If so-and-so decides to do such-and-such, such, right, it's not in my control. There is so much that is not in my control. But you know what is in my control? What I hear. What I listen to. If you don't have peace in your heart, like me, coming up until the end of 2019, and you're digesting four, five, six hours a day of social media, guess what your problem is? What you're feeding yourself. We don't have control over someone cuts me off, something bad happens, someone loses a job. A lot of this stuff is totally out of our control, and we say, Lord, we have faith in you in that. But what can I control? What I feed myself. And so... The most powerful preacher that you'll ever experience is you. Because you're with you 24-7. I had a, a well-known preacher that I, that I subscribed to. He said something radical, crazy a few weeks ago. He said, you know what this pandemic is revealing to me? How many people in this congregation have substituted my once-a-week sermon and the emotional support of this congregation for a real relationship with Christ? Think about what he was saying. This pandemic, when everything's getting shaken up, is going to expose the faith walk of individuals. People that rather than relying on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment relationship with Christ, they're relying on the podcast. They're relying on the emotional support of all of you. And that's okay if that's where they are, but that's not where they could be. That's not where they have to stay. That when God reveals to us in the midst of, when I went through that 30-day window and God revealed a bunch of difficult things to me, I had a choice to make. I could have buried that stuff right back down. Nope, I ain't dealing with that. That's too hard. That means I'm going to have to like, go to my wife and apologize for some things. Or I'm going to have to go to people and actually like, make it right. I don't want to do that. Like, I, already de- I already deal with, with maybe guilt or shame. The last thing I want to do is to bring on more things that aren't good about me. Here's the promise, though. Just because it's your history does not mean it's your destiny. But it's going to require you being honest with you. You have the ability to look yourself in the mirror every single morning and preach to yourself. It's the reason why I have shared it so many times. I'm going to share it again and again and again until I'm not here anymore. It's why when I wake up in the morning, I look at myself even if I don't feel good. It doesn't matter how I feel. How many of you know faith is not a feeling? These things are 
oftentimes very different from one another. I feel this, but I'm going to faith this. So I say to myself, thank you, God, for where I stand in you, that my enemy's beneath me, your spirit's within me, my past is covered by the cross, my present is filled with your purpose, and my future is secure in your hands. That's not just rhetoric. It does something. I speak life to myself. So I want you to think about this. Are you speaking life over yourself more than you are watching the news? Are you speaking life over yourself more than you are on Facebook, Pinterest, whatever? Are you speaking life to yourself more than you're debating this pandemic with people about the mask, about the sanitation, about the distancing? Are you speaking life to yourself more than you're speaking anything else? Second Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is without sin... No, no, no. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. I want you again, and you, you can only answer this yourself. Do you believe you are a new creation? I think many of us believe that we're somewhere in the restoration process. No, 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 not a new creation. You don't know the issues that I have and the thoughts that I have and the behaviors, the patterns. No, no, this isn't talking about your behavior. This is talking about who you are in Christ. Do you believe that you are a new creation? I've often wondered this um, about the prodigal son, and that story's been done a lot. But I've often wondered what happened after the story was done. So he gets restored, Right, the father gives him the ring, the robe, the sandals, has the party. And we know the older brother gets all upset about it because he restored this guy that stole from the family. I mean, it's justifiable that he's upset about this. And he's restored again. I wonder if the prodigal son ever repeated the pattern. And I wonder how much more difficult would it have been for him to come back to the father. But I also have to believe the father would have received him again no matter what. No matter how many times he repeated the pattern, he would have restored him again. But I really wonder if the prodigal son received the identity that he was given. Or did he walk around with the shame of the mistake that would mark him, the crimson letter, if you will, for the rest of his life? Hebrews 11, verse 6, and we're going to be wrapping up. But without faith, it is impossible to walk with God, please him, for whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he rewards those who are without sin, who earnestly and diligently seek him. Okay, the first half of this, I think this is super basic, right? Faith is important. We can't please God without faith. So if faith isn't important to you, well, that's something you're going to have to kind of work out on your own. Why isn't it important to you? It should be. It's important to God. It's impossible to please God without faith. Okay, we get that. And that what, what kind of faith is he talking about? He, well, he describes it with two different ways. He says that first, that you believe that God is who he says he is. I think that most of us got that down at this point. Like, you know your heavenly father, who he is who he is. Like, the prodigal son knew the father was the father, and he's never going to change. That's, just, that's, it, that's it. But... Do you actually believe in the same breath that he's rewarding you for your faith? Yes. 
I mean, really think about it. Do you actually believe that God is actively rewarding your life for the efforts you're putting forward in faith? I think that some of us, if we're being completely honest, we would say no to that. Some of us, like the prodigal, okay, yeah, I mean, he says, I got the ring now, I got the robe now, I got the sandals, but everyone else knows what I did. Every day when my brother sees me, he's like, loser, cheat, thief. Like, hey, guys, you remember that brother, what was his name, that one brother that stole one-third of our dad's stuff and just wasted it like a loser? Oh, yeah, that guy. Who knows what would have went on in that family dynamic after this all happened? Because the reality is nothing can change what he did. What he did is what he did. But the father said, that's not any longer who you are. Sure, that may be what you did, but it is not who you are. Our identity is a lot different, right, than who we used to be. Does your failure define you? If you're being honest with yourself, when we look in a mirror, what are we normally doing? We're looking for flaws. You know, fixing hair, whatever, shaving, you know, makeup, whatever. We look in mirrors to find flaws. When you look at yourself, even in a physical mirror, what do you see? Do you see failures? Where you might just say, this is where I am. I'm, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's all I got. And if that's all you got right now, that's okay. But that's not all that could be. Because if your faith defines you rather than your failures defining you, you can say, yes, I was a sinner saved by grace, but I was saved for a reason. I was saved with a purpose, that I'm a child of God, that he called me before the beginning of time. He knew me in my mother's womb. He planned out my days. I've been predestined in him. I've been justified by him. My sin and my shame is nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ. I have a plan and a purpose in this life that's more than what I see right now. I'm an ambassador for Christ. I'm the salt of the earth. I'm the light of the world. I'm an eternal being headed for eternity that has an eternal purpose here and now. I want you to bow your heads, and we're going to pray. I'm going to have you play that song here in just a moment. It's still fairly early, 1140. I'm just going to say a simple prayer, and all it is is words from a person, if it wasn't for the Spirit of God that lives in me. And that same Spirit lives in you. And I would ask you in this moment, if you would, if it's not for you, if you're in a place right now where you have a focused faith, you have a faith that's very defined and you know what God has called you to and you're going after it and you're putting him in, in, in the forefront of your mind in every decision that you make. But if you're one of those that one of these things really spoke to you, that to move forward in faith, sometimes you need to remember. Maybe you've forgotten. Maybe you can't remember. Would you allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you this morning those moments in life that he gifted you, that you did not deserve, that were designed to alter the course of your life? Maybe you'd say, for me to move forward in a focused faith, it's going to require me to stop moving. What am I missing that's in front of me right now that God has gifted? There's a source of power that's right beside me, that's in my kitchen, right? It's in my home, that it's a gift of God that's been given to me. Like the older son in the prodigal story, as he's frustrated about what's going on, and the father says, you're not getting it. You are in my home and have access to all I have. Everything I have is yours, but are you recognizing it? Are you accessing it in your home? And the Holy Spirit is the key to that. And then finally, you'd say, 
for me to have a focused faith moving forward. For me to have a focused faith. Would I be willing right now, Lord, to abandon whatever plans I've created, whatever reputation I've created, whatever it is that I've made, that it would just pale in comparison to you being in control of my life. So, Lord, right now, Holy Spirit, we just invite you in this place. And as we take the next few moments, the next few minutes, just to allow you to search our hearts, God, would you allow, Lord, for us to have an an eye-opening experience? Would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to receive, Lord, what your spirit would be doing in this place right now? And as the song begins to sing and the song begins to play, I just pray that we would, in this moment, if you need to go, uh, thank you for being here, thank you for listening, but if you're able to stay, I really believe that there is an anointing for this morning, and you know I don't talk like that, but I truly believe it, that God has me here for a reason, has you here for a reason. If you're at home and you're sitting on your couch, would you grab the hand of your spouse or of your son or of your daughter or whomever you might be with, or if you're there by yourself, would you just place your hands over your own heart and begin just to invite the Holy Spirit to fill this place? And Lord, would you reveal to us, God, what only you can. Lord, that we could actually have in 2020 a faith that is refined and defined and focused. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this opportunity. And so, Lord, I just, I just give you control right now. I'm going to stop talking. The music's going to play. And we're going to take some time here to invite your presence in this place and for your spirit to speak.